Welcome back to Bible Love. We are soon to dive into the end of First Chronicles, wrapping up David's life. So for our prayer today, I thought we would do a prayer that David prays at the end of his life. So let us pray. Blessed are you, O Lord, the God of our ancestor Israel, forever and ever. Yours, O Lord, are the greatness, the power, the glory, the victory, and the majesty. For all that is in the heavens and on the earth is yours. Yours is the kingdom, O Lord, and you are exalted as head above all. Riches and honor come from you, and you rule over all. In your hand are power and might, and it is in your hand to make great and to give strength to all. And now, our God, we give thanks to you and praise your glorious name. Amen. Amen. You know, Alan, David was really, really, really good about thanking God. That was one of his better attributes, I feel like. Um, just always very thoughtful about that. And that's something we can learn, too, right? Um, so, as you said, we're going to finish up First Chronicles. And today, that's um, 22 through 29. And really, what the essence of this section is is David's time as king. Um, remember, we've already done this again, but the Chronicles is, you know, sort of a recap, is David's time as king um, and him sort of giving over um, the kingship to Solomon. And when I was looking at this and doing some research on it, um, and uh, Alan is in agreement with me. These these chapters are really sort of framed by these three speeches that David gives, um, and they his sort of letting go of his kingship and and giving that over. So the first one, which is um, twenty two uh, verses five through sixteen. Um, is addressed to Solomon himself and sort of repeats who David was as a king and sort of reminding him maybe like, hey, I was the king for all these years. And this is, even though you're going to be the king, this is how I think you should do it. <laughs> right? Like we, it, we, all, we like to give up power, but we also like to be able to say, and it worked really well. And I think you should do this. Right. If you ever had that experience, um, yeah. so David is doing that for sure in this in that in that first part. Is that what you got to as well? Yeah, and he's kind of setting it up, you know, here in like twenty two seven. He's setting up the succession plan. We've talked about this. You know, David's telling his son, "I'd plan to build a house for God. I'd plan to build a temple, but God said you've worked too hard and all of that." And, then, you know, David recounts when God promised him a son and God said, the son is going to build the temple and carry on. And so this part of this is, you know, David preparing his son, you know, like, like we do with our kids as we talk about, you know, here's my hopes for you. Here's what I want you to do when you grow up. And here it's a little bit different because David believes God is telling him that his son is going to build the temple, but he's passing that along, preparing Solomon to, to take the reins. When the time yeah, comes. and there, 
Exactly. And there's a lot we can learn from that too. I mean, I'm not a parent, but I know that you do that with your kids, but we also do that in church, right? We also do that in school. We also like, that's what all this is about is preparing for life, for a world with God and God at the center of that. Um, and so, yeah, we always think like, this works really well. Let me tell you how to do it. You know, but there's, that's also sort of the natural progression of life, right? That's just how we do things. You know, um, I can imagine you had some great conversations with your kids when it's time to start school. Like, remember, this is who we are and how we're going to be. And we do that in Sunday school. We do that, you know, in church. So David's just, again, reminding us of how to be good leaders, how to be good parents how to be good people in people's lives to help them set up for success filled with God's love. It's kind of how I feel about it. Yeah. Um, and so then this second um, sort of speech that he lays out. Um, so he's, he was leading that. Let me back up. The first speech was, you know, this is what worked well, but also I forgot and you touched on it a little bit the building of the temple and how important that temple is. Right. And I think that even leads in today to how much we focus on our own homes, our, our, our churches, the importance of keeping it up. Alan and I were kind of laughing a little bit before we started about like a big part of our job is maintaining these buildings, even though we have people in place, you know, to do that. We still are the ones here every day, like meeting the fire alarm guy or meeting the yard people or whatever. Like this temple is placed in our hands and it's our job to take care of it. Right. So that was the first speech. And then the second one, which is 28, two through 10, um, repeats. He's again, being very repetitive. So to me, when we see that word repeats, that means it's important, right? The essence of this to all the officials of Israel. So he's sort of moved on from Solomon and he's looking at the people that are in leadership and saying, not only is this Solomon, but it's also the officials, which again reminds me of like, not only is this you and I's job, right? This is the work of the people, right? We can't do it by ourselves. Any thoughts yeah. on that? Yeah, and I mean, this is... You know, we all have, unless you're a church planter, you're the second or third or fourth priest in charge or rector of a congregation. And unless we completely tank this whole operation, we won't be the last. Right. And so right. we're taking our role. I've got parishioners who've been here long before I've been here and they'll be here long after I've been gone. And so, you know, that's kind of here. David, I think, is preparing the other folks saying, Y'all been in these roles while I was king. You're going to be in these roles while Solomon is king, right? Your job continues. The The figurehead may change, you know, the, the leader, but the folks doing the work, the folks for whom this is all there is, you know, we're setting in the structures. And, you know, this goes into great detail, right? And we joked about this months ago when we talked about it, like there's Levites in charge of the temple utensils there's people in charge of the mm -hmm. treasury like they're setting up and we see those parallels today like some of this language talks about you know caring for the spoons and caring for all these things you know it's like the altar guild right and then the treasurer you know taking care of that that's like the vestry we have those today 
the people fill these roles. And, you know, I joke, the fire marshal was here today and he was asking, you know, do you have a step stool? <laughs> I just work here. Right. Like, yeah. A lot Maybe. of this stuff just happened, <laughs> right? And like, I know like altar hang, all these things, there has to be a step stool somewhere because things happen at a height that requires right. that. I don't know where right. it is because there's people whose role that is. I have a particular role. I preach and teach and visit people and do all of that. I don't change light bulbs. Yeah. Someone here does. And like, we can't have church unless that happens. And so David, right. you know, in here talking about this is your job. This is your job. This is your job. Like all of that's necessary. And all of that's going to continue to be necessary, even when the leader change changes. So as Solomon assumes the throne, Solomon's still going to need the person that knows how to change the light bulbs. Well, and I think that's a really important point, because sometimes I think we look at the Old Testament particularly and we're like, why do we need to know all this stuff? You know, um, and I think that we also like forget that these traditions that we have in the church are so rooted in the Bible. You know what I mean? Like, it's not like, I mean, some of it was like dreamed up by some guy, you know, but a lot of it like comes from the biblical text of why we do what we do. And I, I think people don't often realize that. I don't often realize that. I'm like, oh, that's just what I was taught as an acolyte. That's how we do it. And it's such a good reminder to Oh, this is why this is here. You know, taking care of the spoons is may sound silly, but it actually does relate to 2022 because it's how we care for the altar, you know, and the presence of that. Yesterday, I had the privilege of, of baptizing two twins at a different parish than my own that I serve. And, you know, it's always interesting to like go to another place and see sort of how they do it and what they do and all that. And I actually was not, I was just kind of an observer during the Eucharistic prayer, but I was up there so I could sort of see what they did. And it was so beautiful. Like there was part of me that wanted to like sit down with the rector afterwards and be like, I know this has significance in the Bible somewhere and I just don't know it. And I'd love for to like pick your brain and hear why y'all do some of the things that you do. Now, other things are done because, and I'm sure this is the way it is at St. Martin's, it's what you've always done. It's your tradition. Like there's a tradition here at Resurrection that they say the colic together. I've never seen that anywhere else, but that's a tradition that's here. And so I wasn't going to come in and be like, well, that's weird. You know, that's what they want to do. They want to hear everybody's voices together. Maybe there's something biblical about that. I'm not sure, but it's beautiful to like watch that and see that and how other people do it and hear different voices in it. So David's right. All this is super important. Yeah. So, and that, you know, I spent the last three years before, you know, I've been in my oh, gig yeah, here about you a year. Really got to and see I, this. My job was to go to like every single Sunday, I was somewhere different and I would have to walk in and ask someone, yeah, do we sing this or say this? Would do we, you know, all of it. And so I never was able to, well, I won't say that negatively. I enjoyed getting to see how different sure. folks did things. Do you stand here? Do you kneel here? Do you, whatever it is. So then I get here and, you know, people are looking to me to answer these questions about things that mm -hmm. they need to have a decision made. I don't, I just spent three years not having a preference because someone's right. going to tell me what the congregation does. Right. And so I joked, you know, we had our liturgy planning meeting a couple of weeks ago. I've been here about a year and we're planning out like all the way through Holy Week. 
and I joked, I was like, you know, y'all have had a year. Now I get to come in and I get to, you know, I'm not like that. You know, yes. I've had a year to learn why this place does the things it does. And so I have a better understanding. And sure, there's things that I may tweak here and there for my own preference or what I think we're called to do. But but it's been interesting yeah. to, to grow into, oh, yeah, I get to do the same thing every week. I don't have to learn yeah. something new. I bet that was a big transition for that but also a lot of joy in visiting all those other parishes and, and oh, yeah. just seeing what people do. And you probably brought all those thoughts to your, your current um, calling and vocation. Yeah. You know, I've seen all these different things and this is what we're, and I don't get to do that very often. So that was really neat for me yesterday um, to sort of see. Um, yeah. Really cool. It's neat. Um, okay. So then this third um, sort of, speech um that david gives is a little bit longer and this is in chapter 29 um he calls for them to follow david's own example of generous giving toward the project and that it ends with this blessing and thanksgiving so to me that is like classic david you know david is a, has even though david has had a lot of trials and tribulations in who he was. David always finds the joy and the blessing and like thanking God, like just in that prayer that you, David's prayer. Like I feel like David had this very generous heart in giving, but also David recognized how important it was to thank God, thank the Lord. And I really feel that way too. Like, I feel like that is at the, every time I pray, the first thing I do is say, thank you, Lord. You know, because I think the God, I think God has given us so much. So I, I connect with David in that way. What about you? Yeah, absolutely. And you think about David's life, you know, we talked about this with Dr. Tony, that this is kind of hagiography, like it glosses mm -hmm. over the harder parts of David's life and talk. And even in here, right, this transition seems really smooth. David's saying, here's what's going to happen. You people get lined up and I hand it over to my son. If we remember back, you know, a couple books ago, it was a lot more chaotic than that. So the chronicler's glossing over a lot. Mm -hmm. But even there, like David had, David did some bad things. David had hard things happen in his life. But right. in the, and we hear that in the Psalms, right? Like David struggled with feelings about himself, feelings about God, all of that. But even in the midst of some of the Psalms of lament, right, where he's, you know, why God, it turns around and he's still giving thanks in that situation. And that's a mm -hmm. hard thing for me to do because when things feel like they're hard and going wrong, like the whole world's crashing down. And it's hard for me to, to think outside of that and to still give thanks. Yeah. Um, and, you know, I've got this gentleman in my congregation who every Sunday I ask him how he's doing. He's in his 80s. He's getting older and, you know. He talks about things he's struggling with, whatever, but he always says, you know, I'm one foot in front of the other, right? And so even yeah. in the midst of, you know, he's talking about he's there, right? He's thankful that he's there. He's thankful that he's still able to move around and do all of that. And so even when, you know, your body's starting to fail or whatever it is, how do we find that, that gratitude? And here, you know, David, when you're talking about, you know, he's calling on people to be generous right we're getting into the fall and it's about to be stewardship season and and all of that and 
I think that's really essential is like, we don't do this because we got to like pay for the candles. Right. That stuff has to get done. But like the whole idea behind stewardship is we're doing this out of response to what God is doing and has done in our life out of gratitude, right. out of thankfulness. Yeah. And we see that model here. Yeah. Yeah. I think you're right. Yes. I mean, David is always so good for, for stewardship stuff for sure. But like, I, um, I think it takes a lot of courage in life to, because life is hard. Life is rough. I was telling Alan about kind of an interesting week I had last week, but like still finding the blessings and what God has given us in that. I think that takes a ton of courage and David is really, really good at that. Um, I was also telling Alan last night, we had our big dinner kickoff for stewardship and there were so many people here and they were there to enjoy each other, but they were also there to like, just be thankful. And that's why they filled out their pledge cards, right? Because they want to glorify God in that way. Sure. They want to pay me and they want to pay the bills and they want to do all that. But this is the best way they can glorify God is by supporting this parish and in the work that we're doing, you know, and that was just so evident on their faces and they were full of joy. And I loved that. And to me, there is so much joy in glorifying God. And I think David really, really, really tries to push that home in us always. He always does. Um, So he's a great example of, Life can be full of a bunch of junk, but you still got to find the thankfulness. You still got to find the blessings in that. So um, really this section is to give this whole part that we just read is to give Solomon the kingship and, and that he is appointed the king and the builder to finish out the temple, right? To secure the support of all of Israel to be leaders and to support Solomon and Solomon is appointed king. And then David dies and we move into this next section of leadership. That to me is what this first Chronicles 22 through 29 is. But then as we've talked about through all of this, there's also like a lot of messages for ourselves in in this what's written here so that's kind of my thought on that section what about you yeah i mean it's any time like you that you're reading historical works about you know it's great to learn about george washington or whatever but you know head knowledge of knowing about these things only goes so far but how do we find ourselves in the story mm-hmm. of any historical thing and so here with david you know we have someone who was a man after God's own heart, right? That's what scripture says, but he's also a guy who really screwed up. And so how do we find ourselves in David's story? I mean, he's the poster child for God using broken vessels. Um, so we see ourselves in that. The planning David does, you know, I'm type A and I like to organize things. And so I love like all this, you know, these are lists of names. We started Chronicles with all those genealogies. And here we have lists of, all these Levites that so-and-so did this, so-and-so did that, so-and-so did that. Like it's an Excel spreadsheet basically. Yeah. Right. And so we find that, you know, 
this is actually good planning. Like we don't just trust the Holy Spirit and don't do any preparatory work, right? Like it's pretty clear that none of this building of the temple or the establishing of the kingdom, right? This That's what's happening here is they're setting up a functioning kingdom and David's organizing things so that stuff gets done. He doesn't just, this is going to sound bad. He doesn't just trust God, right? That it's going to happen because that's the, the side, the flip side of faith, right? Is oh, I just trust that God's going to make it happen. Well, but you never get off your couch, right? Yeah, like right. God can do things, right. but if you never get off your couch, it's going to be harder for God to do things. Maybe what God wants is for you to, to go organize people. And so we see that there's also the active part of, of this faith. Um, yeah, that's like to- an interesting, I think that's a really interesting point because you know, I do hear people say, well, I trust God. I trust the Holy Spirit, which I do too. But I don't think God wants us to be unactive participants in life. You know, and for those things to work, we have to be a part of it. We have to show up. We have to. So I recently had a meeting um, here and it's, it's one of those committees that I feel like has a lot of like dreaming and hoping they want to do, but they're also like trying to get organized. And so we were kind of trying to set an agenda and it was one of the first times that I was like, we're going to set this agenda, but we're also going to like really leave a lot of room for the Holy spirit, which is difficult for me because I'm like you, I'm very type a and I want it all scheduled and you know, all of that. But it was actually like, I think we did a nice mixture of both. To, does that make sense? Like we, we were organized just like David has asked us to do, but then there was room also for dreaming and planning and the Holy spirit to work. And that's kind of the best organizing, I think. And a lot of, and, but some of us control freaks have a hard time <laughs> with that. So yeah, I think David's a, a great example of just real people and real life, you know, and stuff goes on. Right. You know, I mean, he had some really crazy stuff happen, but I've I've had some parishioners and really good friends in my life who've had some really crazy things happen in their life that they're not so proud of, but they never lost their love for God in that. Now they had to forgive themselves and they had to work through that and they had to do the therapy. But I think David's a wonderful example of you can do this because he did it right. He was not perfect by any means. He never stopped loving the Lord. So there you have it. Yeah. We got through the life of David again. First Chronicles. We've now done it twice. How does that feel? (laughs) Repetitive. Repetitive, but also good. As we said, like we, it's a new year. So we're getting into second Chronicles um, next week. And then when we finish Chronicles, we're getting into some whole new chapters of the Bible and this is going to be good books of the Bible. And it's going to be good. And we've got some great folks joining us. So thanks for hanging out with us this week, y'all. And as always, remember, we love you, but most importantly, God does. 